Welcome. You're about to be ushered past the velvet rope and into a world of hyper-effective salesmanship that's understood and used only by the world's most notoriously rich and successful marketers. We're taking a journey deep inside the human brain, past the surface clutter, and into the psychological insights to answer the one crucial question, what makes people buy? I'm your host, Kevin Rogers, along with the most ripped off and respected copywriter alive, John Carlton, and this is Psych Insights for Modern Marketers. Hey, welcome to Psych Insights from Modern Marketers. It's Kevin Rogers here with my good pal, John Carlton. Hey, John. Hey, Kevin. Really looking forward to this episode. Uh, This one's all about story. John, you've lived in the pocket of story as a copywriter for your entire career. Um, I, of course, picked up that baton from you and run with it. uh, I've always been fascinated by story as a comedian. I was a natural storyteller in my routine. Uh, But I want to talk about story in the context of copywriting today because uh, as important as story is to just about any good piece of copy, um, people get a little perplexed about when and where and how to use story in copy. So really good I, point. I want to point out a couple of instances um, in your, your repertoire, your, your history. Um, two of your most famous pieces, one being the sex letter, which contains, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, zero story. Right. And then my personal favorite is the nickel letter, which is basically all story. Mm -hmm. And so talk about uh, why, you know, what is your process for deciding when story is going to lead the way? Okay, that's a really good question. And of course, it has about five hours of answers, but I'll I'll try to uh, keep it slender. Um, Basically, one, one of the first of all, one of the problems that people have with story is they're not good storytellers and they think that dooms them to never being a good storyteller. And I will tell you that storytelling is something you can learn. I have helped people along uh, over over time. My best friends have always been storytellers because I come from a storytelling family. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, Stan, for example, my business partner, one of the best storytellers ever. If, if you ever sit down, you got some time They're They tend to be long, but they are never uninteresting. And you will hurt yourself laughing while you're hearing this, yeah. like being chased in Kenya by uh, a Jeep full of uh, machine gun wielding um, uh, rebels, you know, because, you know, after him, but not after him, but after the driver of his taxi. So once he got away from that, everything was fine. But it's like they're taking corners on two wheels in this, you know, dirt village and chasing goats and stuff. And it's just, it's hilarious. And of course, one thing I noticed with Stan was that both of us are good storytellers. We, we've done a lot of things that involve stories. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed how the process starts to work in the middle of the adventure, we will start crafting the story and we'll actually talk to each other about this. It's unconscious. But however we come up with the story later, if you match our two versions of it, they will be remarkably close because we're we're kind of talking about it as we go. Halbert used to write his pieces uh, by looping. He would just go through almost the entire rationale or logic or actually sometimes the entire letter in his head 
And if you were the road dog at the time, you would hear it and then you'd hear it again an hour later and a day later and maybe even a day later. And if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't notice there were minute changes in, in the way he was putting the things together in his head. Right. Um, and once you did realize it, then you realize, oh, there, there are some significant changes. It's not the same thing, but he was looping. This process convince me that anybody can really, there may not be one process for doing it, but getting a story together involves a little bit of risk, which scares people, because you risk being boring, or you risk offending people, or you risk having someone yawn, turn around and walk away in the middle of your story, one of the worst things that, that, that can happen. Hmm. Just get over it. It's kind of like learning to do anything else. Stories are so valuable. Our brains are hardwired to accept information through stories, and that's why the best copywriters, uh, the legendary ones, all are excellent storytellers, and they all have a novel hidden in the you know the desk drawer. You know, and sometimes they're not good fiction writers because the stories they do best on are the true ones they encounter, or the ones they craft. Now, getting back to your to your basic question of using story in pieces. Uh, in the sex letter for Rodale, it actually was kind of a story. It was, but it was not a "here's what happened to me" or "here's what happened to Joe" or "or or hey, dig this." You know, this thing happened. It was more like a a uh, a narrative kind of story. Mm -hmm. It was like you know, a bunch of nurses and doctors got together, and here was their their agenda. They wanted to do X and blah blah blah. And you may think that's just a, a recitation of facts, but it's really kind of a story. It's setting up. The story, even though there is no, there's no hero, there's no antagonist, there's no plot point really. It just it just kind of lays it out. I still thought of that as a story. However, the story then came down to, excuse me, the bullets, and the right. bullets I always try to make into mini stories in themselves, a little or or jokes. And and as you know, even short jokes or, uh, you know, with a setup, a middle, and a punchline, yeah, uh, those are basically stories. You have you know you can't. If, if, if you encounter somebody who's never, you know, like, like an alien who knows nothing about our culture, you can't set up a joke using cultural references because it won't make any sense to them. Right. So, you know, the jokes go over best with the hip jokes go over best with hip audiences. The corny jokes go over best with, uh, you know, corny, loving audiences, things, things like that. In advertising, the story you tell has to hit a, you know, a common denominator. Uh, I was really lucky with the uh, nickel letter because it was going to self-defense uh, audience mm -hmm. and uh, they were primed to hear these kinds of stories. So I got to take the leash off and I didn't have to explain anything. It was just, you know, here's a guy who went in there, skinheads, uh, trouble, uh, you know, would go really bad. I, I could take a lot of shortcuts with the story, but it was about a person doing something with a plot, uh, with a couple of plot points leading into a segue into and here's what I've got for you type type of thing. Right. So so the idea of of when to add a story into a newsletter is important and if you're afraid of stories, if you're afraid that you don't yet know how to tell a compact story that holds the reader's interest or the listener's interest if you're doing a VSL, then by all means don't do it yet. Uh, the biggest risk as, as you know, for example, getting back to jokes or music, the biggest risk in a band or a stand-up comedian is to realize you're in front of the wrong audience, mm -hmm. or maybe your stuff isn't tested enough. Maybe the song really does suck. Maybe the joke really isn't all that funny, even you know, and and your friends have been lying to you. <laughs> 
And, you know, so that's why experience re really plays into this. But story is so important, especially in a letter. When you when I sit down, I think the first thing I do when I'm about to write uh, an ad or, or some kind of sales piece is I think in terms of stories. What's the story of the product? What's the story behind all of this? Why are we even here? You know, you know, why are you here? about to read my ad or, or look at my VSL, even if you're even if you're going to split in a second, something got you to this this point, this right. the, the, the manifestation of this come to Jesus moment where we're we're in it now. And I may lose you. I may lose you for reasons other than whether I use the story or not. There's all kinds of things in there. But when we get into it, what's the best way for me to convey my my persuasive argument for you know for becoming involved in this buying it or what whatever the the action is i'm going to call and so i, I always look for story and i always try to get story in consciously then it becomes kind of an unconscious process that um i'm you know i'm i'm the that same youngest kid at the dinner table back in my family who if my story isn't riveting word by word by sentence by sentence i'm going to lose the whole family because i'm just the kid talking so <laughs> right. they frequently would just interrupt me and, and ignore me and stuff you know yeah, i was at school in the sandbox today and jimmy threw and then they're off you know talking about cars and stuff <laughs> so it, it was great training for yeah. how long you've got it I, I don't know if you ever studied uh comedy uh but you know you talk about timing a lot and mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I really understand what you're talking about with timing but you know you know we, we talk about you've got 0.3 seconds in a headline to get a reader's attention online you know or he clicks and he goes away or something like that right. you know a lot of that's guessing and a lot of that is from tracking eyeballs on ads but you know, there's so many X factors there did yeah. you ever think about other than people who have natural timing <clears throat> what you might explain to somebody who's trying to figure out what timing was, how long they've got to tell a joke or, or, or how long a pause should be or anything. Did you ever, you guys that's ever good, discuss that? That's a good question. No, um, I, I really think like specific timing, it, it can be a, a fragment of a second. And, but in many ways that is what defines your style. Right. You oh, know, good point. so a guy like uh, let's think of um, uh, who's the button down mind of Bob Newhart. Oh, yeah. Had a famous style of, uh, that stuttering. Yeah. Right. And that was his timing. And that's what made it. You could sit and watch this guy have a one sided phone conversation, which was his famous shtick. Yeah, he did like five albums of that. Yeah, yeah and it was hilarious because he was thinking in real time about what this other person was almost hearing the conversation. And someone else like Stephen Wright, you know, sets it up in a way where he could have such a long dramatic pause. Uh, you got another guy, think of like Mitch, Mitch Hedberg, who had a really sort of unique timing. Uh, and then you have rapid fire guys like George Carlin, who's who would use timing as a way to, to establish a rhythm mm -hmm. uh, to his his The sing-song approach, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I honestly don't know that you could teach timing other than it's real. It's so instinctual. Uh, that's one of those things. Yes, you could tell someone to, t to tell a joke, repeat a joke, but man, uh, timing really is instinctual. Okay, in, in writing, those the three-dot ellipses that I started using, mm -hmm. 
the the biggest change in my writing started happening with that the employment of the three dot ellipses in my own peculiar way. I would use it often at the end. I, I started limiting my paragraphs to one or maybe two sentences, ending them with a dot dot dot, continuing the thought in the next paragraph, leading in with a dot dot dot. And in my mind, I was using those as pauses, and I was using the space on the page actually as a physical mm. pause. You had to move your eyes, and just that. And and, yeah. and I was I was very conscious of doing that, but it fit in with the way I spoke naturally when when I'm telling a story. You know, I would pause and I try to hold their attention. And w when you're talking to somebody who is not used to listening to your stories, they don't know how long you're going to go on for. They don't know if they're supposed to laugh or cry or whatever, because you're, you know, you're, you're confusing them as you're going along, sometimes purposely. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can actually hold up a finger or you can actually grab them by the lapel. You can do that kind of stuff. And those tools are, are available in writing, uh, the equivalent of them, all kinds of things, um, uh, shiny, you know, bright lights on the side, you know, distracting them for a, a split second and then coming back. And I think all of that is fair and all of that is good. And all of that comes back to telling a story to, to one human, to another human, telling a story that in advertising's case is, is, is leading to some kind of action. It's some kind of persuasive thing. So it's not just a punchline you're after. It's yeah. a, it's a punchline slash segue into the next part of why we're here. And, and yeah. this, this all comes back to this. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's good with, to remember when you're telling a story and you're a little scared of maybe bringing a story in, keep them as succinct <clears throat> as possible. And the rule for that, when you're doing your early story writing, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with within a um, uh, an ad, do it as the same as the headline. And the headline trick is, you know, you got the the best headline you can when you can't take a word out without changing the meaning of the sentence of of the headline. Most headlines are sentences, <clears throat> which means it's so tight. Yeah. That there's no excess verbiage, there's no, you know, if there's an adjective you can't take out, take it out. If it doesn't change the meaning of the of the sentence or the or the phrase you're trying to say, then yeah. take that stuff out, mm -hmm. including, you know, the A's, the the's, and's, all of that stuff. Get it down as tight as possible. Use that same philosophy when you're writing your stories. If there's anything, the worst thing that happens when people tell stories is tangents. And um, I think we all have people in our lives who tell a story where they stop. And they go, wait a minute, I have to back yes. up for a minute. Worst thing and you then, can do. Yeah. Worst thing you can do because you you, you what you're trying to do is get that rhythm going. It's kind of like in a song. Yeah. If you've ever been listening to someone play a song you wanted to hear, and he's playing, he stops. He goes, you know, I, I got to I got to talk about Joe, who <laughs> you know helped me record this song back when you were fifth. No, I really don't want to hear that. I'm in yeah. the groove now. I'm out of the groove, yeah. and you're, you're it's going to be trouble getting me back in the groove. Things like that if you're going to do a song like that then you look at things like alice's restaurant which incorporated all of that and it's one of the reasons that was such a great hit for such a long time is that it's a long story hilarious it's fun to listen to and um uh, Guthrie hated doing it after he recorded it because he had to do it pretty much like he had recorded it and yeah. it, it was long and he had to memorize it and he hated it huh. you know but because it, it was so so successful and right. His, it was a successful capturing of him doing a story in a moment in time. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, instead of a moment in time, that's how you got to do it the rest of your life. And right. it's like, oh, wow. Normally, he would have changed as he went or maybe never do it again or do right. something else. Oh, interesting. Came known as the, in fact, I saw him at the Alice's Restaurant Tour. That's what he named that tour. This is about 
eight years ago. He came through Reno, <clears throat> and he did a great show, and then he did a pause, and he was going to come back and do Alice's Restaurant, and he's backstage. I, I knew the person who was producing the show, and he said, I really don't want to do this. He says, I've been <laughs> dreading this. It was his opening show of the tour. Oh, and this woman, this slender woman from South Africa, you know, wouldn't hurt a fly, loves music, loves art, has Arlo Guthrie by the lapels up against the wall with her nose inches from his saying, you are doing the damn song. <laughs> and he got out, he did the song, did a great job of it. But, you know, he it's just it, the the amount of uh, pain it caused him to have to dig back into that. Yeah. You know, at that point, what, 30-year-old song or something? So, Gosh. So, so anyway, this gets back to, to the idea of story. I, I guess I went off on a tangent there. You know, that, that's a good example. <laughs> if you're worried about that kind of stuff, just try to get the story in as few words as possible mm-hmm. um, so that you can't, you're at the point where you can't take out a thought or a word or a phrase without, without interrupting the, the meaning of the thing. No, because it makes it incomprehensible. You're down to the most stripped down version of this thing. Yeah. And then take advantage of <clears throat> the visual, or if you're doing a VSL, the, um, uh, the the moving visual, the actual movement stuff, to have your pauses, to uh, not to try to manipulate the person, to help the story be absorbed in the in the least uh, troublesome way. So so that it goes down like 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 candy. It's 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 that grease slide approach. You want the person to get on at the top of the slide. That's the beginning of your story, and you can even start it with "Let me tell you a story." I mean, people are used to that's kind of like saying "Dear friend," right? <clears throat> but they get on, and that slide better start. And there's no chance for them to stop on that slide. It's greased. They're going as fast as they can, down, and at the end, you're done. You've gotten your story through, and they they go wow. And then they're at another point. They're in. They're in your uh, your world. They're in your grip because yeah. whatever you segue to is going to be uh, uh, much better received. Yeah, that's great. You know, I, I want to go back to a point you made about, the, the, say, the sex letter, um, in how it's mostly bullets. The entire letter is famously written in bullet form. Right. And uh, this was a control for many, many years with Rodale. Made five years. Yeah, five years. And uh, so uh, I'm looking at it now, and it's a great point about there is a story being told here, but it's not direct. You didn't say, let me tell you a story. You didn't say, you know, there was a day back in 1947 or whatever. But uh, some of these bullets really do uh, enter the conversation. So one that says here, you know, how to help your partner find her G-spot, parentheses, that hypersensitive, anatomically disguised little pleasure point she may never discover on her own. I mean, there's two... That's a good point. It, it, rather than saying the G-spot the G or, you know, making it a third-person thing, it's yeah. your partner and she yeah. and bringing it down. That's, that's a really good point. It, yeah, so, well, I see two stories going on here. So one is the, the, the guy or, you know, whoever's partner this is, uh, frustrated and nervous about losing his lover or just being a bad lover. That mm-hmm. same humiliation we talked about and being a bad storyteller, basically. Yeah. Uh, and then and then the second part of it uh, that she may never discover on her own, which now not only makes you a, a, a better lover, but a hero. Because there's this idea in there that she, it'll be, you're opening up this incredible new world to, to both of you. Right. And I, I guess just, just to add to that, Kevin, there's a sense there that um, it, even though it, it could be it could be called a hero point hmm. 
but it's more of the of the um of the you can almost stumble into this you know it's it's it there's there's no sense of changing you it's merely a tool that you can use you don't have to become a different person you don't have to enter a different realm there's nothing scary about this it's merely doing what you're already doing better Mm. And 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 there's a there's a, a mildness to it, and and I remember thinking about that because the pieces that I had to beat all came out. I I agreed with all the angles the other writers took. It they were obvious angles. Mm-hmm. Hey, you like sex, don't you? You know this is sexy, and you're going to be a better sex. Person. And I thought, you know, let's let's back it up. You know, let's let's talk about just tapping into what the best levers know without necessarily saying you have to become one of the best right. lovers on the planet. Right. You're going to, you know, the the implication here is that you're just, you're simply going to know more than you did before. It's really easy. And, you know, and 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 that's part of the story, you know, and, and, and talking about the difference in that kind of story, that was like a journalism story in a way, mm-hmm. kind of like the who, what, where, when, why, and how mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, uh, most journalism involves story. And that, that's what gets a lot of people hung up because, a lot of the people in journalism now want to get away from that who, what, where, when, why. They think that's bothersome, and they think I'm above that, and they want to be editorial writers. They just want to dive right in and tell everybody how smart they are and stuff. Right. Don't do that. Just get in. Give you know the readers crave enough information to understand why this is for them. They may say that's for me, that product or that service or that info. That's for me. But, you know, it's not urgent enough. And then so if I can tell them why it's necessarily urgent, not necessarily saying this is going to go away later. It's like just helping them understand how this fits in, into their life now, how 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 this is all very, very immediate to live in a better life, a richer life, a more fulfilling life, whatever. You don't need to say that. And I think a lot of copywriters start out saying, here's how you can lead a more yeah. <clears throat> a happier, richer, more fulfilling life. Okay, that's not bad, but that's lower level stuff. When you raise it up a bit, tell the story. It's like, what, what do they say in script writing? You know, show me, don't tell me. Actually, that's for novel writing too. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't tell me he was a rough, rough and tumble detective, you know, who didn't take anybody's bullshit. Show me, right. you know. So he actually he actually takes somebody who's bullshitting him and, and hits him in the nose right. and says, "Don't you ever bullshit me again, Bob?" You know, and it, it, the difference there is is storytelling. Now, before I, I, mm. I before you ask me another question, <clears throat> I have a beef with a lot of these uh, books out there. One's called Story. Uh, I can't remember the, the guy's McKee. name. Barbara McKee. There's a lot of things out there. Go ahead and read them. But don't take them as gospel. These are guys who were successful at periods of time, often in Hollywood, or they taught storytelling and stuff. I think that those things confuse people more than they help. Go ahead and read them and get the background of all this. But it's much simpler and much more complex at the same time than what those guys are saying. To get a, that's like a 600 page book story. It's like, I read a couple of pages, I threw it against the wall. It's like, (laughs) are you kidding me? So maybe it's a value. I'm sure there are people out there are gonna hate me because that's their favorite book in in the whole world. But if you read that and you're still not a good storyteller, there's a reason, you know, he's, he's like, yeah, I, I, I don't want to no, no, pile on him, but there's a whole genre of books out there. Yeah. How to write story and how to do this. I think it's much more simple. Bring it back to did you, when was the last time you told a successful story to a friend who was willing to give you their attention and 
it bombed or it went well, you know, but why? Critically think about what right. went wrong, what went right, what's going on. Watch a watch a video of uh, you and I were talking about Bill Hicks or or some yeah. you know all those people that that Kevin mentioned earlier. Go go seek out YouTube videos and watch them critically. Say, yeah. oh, he's pausing, you know. Oh, there's a beat there, you know. Oh, there, oh, there's a less beat than Carlin used there, you know. Right. And, and these different styles. You don't need to become an expert on it. You just need to understand. It's kind of like. It's kind of like understanding, let's say you come from, uh, uh, you know, there's a time machine and you're brought up from the Elizabethan territory and you're trying to figure out what modern music is about. It's like, listen to some pop, listen to some rap, listen to some old rock and roll, listen to some jazz, listen to some ballad stuff. And you're, you know, if you've never heard of it, you can start figuring out, oh, that's kind of pop. That's very much a ballad, you know, that's nightclub singing. And you can kind of figure that out. And it's very broad. You don't need to become an expert at it. These broad cleaver strokes down there are fine. Because yeah. when you get to writing copy and incorporating story, you really, the last thing you want to do is say, sit back, relax, have a cigarette. I'm going to tell you a long story. No, don't ever do that. <laughs> right. If it becomes a long story, like that nickel letter became, what was it, three pages or something of the first story? And yeah. then mm -hmm. that was by accident because you start at the beginning of the story and you tell it as succinctly and as powerfully as possible. And then when you hit the point you want where you segue into becoming a copywriter again, you look and see how long was it? Was it half a page? Was it a paragraph? Was it one sentence? Was it three pages? That's, you know, however long it took you to tell it in the most succinct and powerful way possible, that's how much, how, that's how long it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Going after the audience that, that you're going after. If, yeah, if, great stuff. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had a quickly, um, <laughs> couple, couple show notes here. Um, <laughs> Great point about listening to, to comedians, you know, and studying them. There, there's a great series called On Comedy, and uh, uh, George Carlin did one, Carlin on Comedy, uh, Johnny Carson did one. And so I, I not funny stuff. They're not trying no, to be funny. No, explain right. comedy. And and with the the point should be made, Kevin. We're not trying to help you write funny copy. No, no, no. This is all about timing, timing, timing and, yeah. and storytelling. Yeah, yeah. And and so you'll hear these guys on these recordings. Uh, I forget the guy who, who did these interviews, but they're fantastic. And they're talking about this exact stuff. So you can hear George Carlin talk about how he pauses, why he pauses, why he chose certain words. Really fascinating stuff. And the other thing, I have to tell my McKee story, John. It's funny you brought him up. Back in like 1995, uh, wow. I'm living in Chicago and I'm, my roommate is in film school. So he turns me on to the McKee book. And I'll be honest, you know, I didn't want to admit it at the time, but I really found it a slog to get through. I mean, <laughs> I, I thought it was it was clearly good material. This guy knew what he was doing, but it was it was it was a long haul to to get through that book. And so then McKee comes to town at the Sears Tower and does this seminar, this two day seminar workshop, and I uh, we we go to it, and it was really great. I got to say, the workshop was 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 really cool. Uh, it, you know, he showed a lot of movie scenes and talked about Casablanca at length and, and oh, some, yeah. some really cool stuff. But I'll never forget something he said. He, he would stop every so often. This is not a lovable guy. He's sort of the Dan Kennedy of screenwriters, I guess, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and so he would uh, stop and just out of nowhere lecture the crowd about how they should never try to become a cop, a screenwriter. It's just not going to happen for you, right? And it, so one of these rants, he says, 
Listen, if your goal is to make a million dollars, by all means, do not become a screenwriter. It's the worst decision you could ever possibly make if you're looking to get rich. If you want to make a million dollars, go sell something on the internet. Funny, isn't it? This yeah. is 95, right? When there barely was an internet or 96. He was a visionary. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I, I remember like succinctly pausing and going, hmm. <laughs> I always laugh when I think back to that. But So um, he planted the bomb. In yeah, I think head. he did, yeah. So... Um, uh, but, you know, great, great point. Uh, and, and it's easy. by the way, by, by the way, Kevin, that story you just told, I, I'm assuming that's the first time you've actually voiced that story out loud. Uh, because that was a great example of kind of crafting on the run. Yeah. As a first draft, it was excellent. I mean, you, you already have timing and you have ideas of story down. But it was a logical progression of the story. And there was a punchline that you held off getting to until it was the absolute perfect time to get to it. And uh, it all it all, it was relevant, and there was actually a little bit of timing involved in there. I mean, yeah. th that was a good example right there. Good storytellers do that; they pay attention to those things. Everything it's like it's like you know, hey, I got a ticket, honey. Oh, really? And you know, unconsciously, you're thinking, I have an audience. You know, I you know, <laughs> I can just say, yeah, I was going down the the road, and this cop pulled me over and gave me a ticket. Oh, that's too bad, honey. Well, that's not really the story. It's like, what were you doing? I was juggling the coffee in one hand, a donut in my mouth, and the, I was texting on the you know, in the other. <laughs> Right. And, and, and and my zipper was open. You know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, what are the details? What's going on? What makes it a, a story other than, you know, at, at, at my um, uh, writing uh, uh, seminars I used to give, <clears throat> like uh, copper and sweatshops, I used to tell people when they go off to lunch, come back with a story. We never right. got into it very much, but I'd say, you know, most people will say, what happened to you on your hour and a half break for lunch? Nothing happened. I went and ate and, you know, I said, yeah, something happened. Something always happens in life. That's what life is all about. Things yeah. happening. Things right. stop happening. You're not alive anymore. And start recognizing that stuff. It may not be a great story, may not be cute or whatever, but something happened in the elevator. What was going on with the other people? How do you observe? And get yourself out of that. You're just in your head. You're going to eat. You're going to come back. Your future thinking. You're not in the here and now and all that stuff. Yeah, so. that's that's a good point. And this, there's always a series of decisions you're making on the fly. To me, that's what's exciting about communicating in story. Like you bring up that story I just told. I wasn't even thinking about it, but along the way, there were two or three chances I had to go another direction or add facts. And I, uh, in a split second, you you decide is this relevant or not? Yes, no, and you and you move forward. Right? It's all about forward momentum. That's another thing they they teach well in script writing. Every word has to earn its place. Does this move the story forward? If it's not moving the story forward, it has to go. Yeah, that and the um, uh, the um, um, improv thing of saying yes and as opposed to no, that's not right. So so right. keep the flow going. But you know, asking yourself the, the most common problem that a lot of bad storytellers have is they're trying to figure out if it was Tuesday last week or Wednesday. Yeah, right. Oh yeah, it was Wednesday because I went to lunch with Susie. No no no, Susie couldn't go to lunch on Wednesday. So. <laughs> It's like, torture. I want to strangle these people. It's, it's funny yeah. when, when I hear somebody saying that, and it happens very often, it's like I stop. First, I laugh to myself. Then I, you know, I interrupt. I say, does it really fucking matter if it's Tuesday or Wednesday? Oh, I don't know. I guess not. Well, you know, that's your job. You're telling the story. Your job is to make this interesting, not go off on tangents. Right. For example, just to pick on that story you were talking about, you could have gone off on a tangent of who the guy was that uh, told you, you know, the guy was in town. Right. Uh, you could have gone off on the venue you were at. You could have gone off on 
your state of mind and stuff while you're sitting in the audience. You could have gone off on a lot of things. You didn't. I, and I think you were nixing them as they were coming I, up. Because the whole yeah, bubble right. of the story, yeah. the, you, the novel bubbles up and you extract the story and you get better and better at cleaving away all of the excess. It's kind of like Michelangelo looking at that rejected block of marble and seeing the the David in there. You know, right. it's like it's like it's like you don't make the David, you knock away everything that isn't the David and you're left with the David. Yeah. And that's why it's a great point to practice this in communication, verbal communication, because when you sit down to write, it's you don't have the that same uh, syntax firing telling you ah instinctively you can sort of feel if you're losing your audience. Uh, you can feel it a little when you're writing because you should have your avatar in front of you. Exactly. But, um, it's more of a, pra it's a different kind of practice. And it's nice to know you can go back and edit. So you can get a little, uh, you know, bloated at times knowing you can slash it. Uh, first drafts should be horrific. The <laughs> best first drafts I've ever had <clears throat> by the second draft became you know, bloody corpses of whatever the original writing was. <laughs> um, I, I hacked, I skewed, I turned stuff around. Uh, and this is before uh, cut and paste. So, yeah. you know, I actually had to physically either cut the pages, you wow. know, from the typewriter I was using to, you know, to turn it around or make notes and circle things and put arrows up here and stuff like that. But that's that's the process. That's what you do. And, you know, we won't go into it. We've talked about it before, but George Carlin famously spent, what, six months testing his routine in unfunny ways with a notebook in his hand right. saying that joke didn't work. And, just, and the audience was sitting there saying, wait, this isn't George Carlin. I'm not laughing hysterically. No, you're at it. You're at a process. You know, you're a process audience the real audience is going to be HBO when he does the show and he's already tested this you know six ways to Sunday so yeah exactly right yeah now great stuff John and so uh, this was great I, um, we always say we'll try to maybe do a short one let's just do that um, yeah. but I do want to end with one cool thing I remember you did this for uh, early to rise years ago it was so cool you had hundreds of responses it's your you is it you the movie i think you called it and it's a three cent telling your life story in three sentences do you remember how that goes that exercise no but it's interesting because i'm going back that was a blog post i believe yeah mm -hmm. you the movie i think it was called yeah you the movie <clears throat> and i that's got to be 12 years old i gotta go back and find that because i'm doing collections of blog posts now for ebooks mm. And that was a great one. I do not remember it. And you know what? Maybe we'll bring it up in the uh, comment section if anybody uh, tries it. If you'd warn me, see, I could have found it in the archive. I just thought of it while we were talking. But yeah, let's do that. Let's put it in. We'll find it. We'll put it in the show notes. And that'll be... So if you're listening to this and you want to write your three-sentence life story, we'll have the formula. We'll repost John's original post. It's a great one. Uh, I remember doing it. I remember specifically sitting and deciding this is a big part of storytelling deciding which story am i going to tell yeah you only have three sentences and i think that was part of your lesson john was that it's all about selection yeah great stuff okay so you know tell the tell the short stories now you got plenty of time for the novel later and when you get around to your autobiography which is what i'm struggling with now mm -hmm. it's way down the line if you're writing an autobiography like justin bieber at what is he 20 and he's writing autobiography <laughs> yeah you know Ch Wait, Ch chapter Wait, nine, puberty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Years ago, years ago when I was a teenager. Yeah. Oh, wait, it was only last week. <laughs> chapter 10, body spray. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, so uh, chime in on the yeah, chime in on the comments. We love going back and forth. Spread the word on this podcast, and uh, yeah, yeah. I guess that's show, it. Show the love. The, the website, of course, is uh, pi the number four mm dot com. Uh, you laugh. I'm taking a lot of heat. I insisted <laughs> on that because I thought it was the coolest URL possible. Uh, and you said, why did you choose it? It looks like a porn site or oh, something. People hate it. They get so mad. Why would you choose that? So it yeah. makes it, I just love it now. So PI, the number four, mm.com. That's where we are. Uh, tell your friends, warn your neighbors. Uh, shoot the <laughs> Hide dog. the kids. Yeah. So, um, all right. Thanks, John. Great stuff. And we'll do it again soon. All right. Talk to you later. Bye, Kevin.